0: On. This is circuitus Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode forty-six for Monday, July eighteenth, twenty eleven. I am Bill Wadman, and I am Dan Gottesman. Indeed, you are, uh, and uh, we are back here today uh, one night later than we normally do. But actually, sometimes we do it on Monday, don't we? S- sometimes we got we got jobs, we got stuff to do. We got we're busy. We're busy we're, people. We're, I'm a busy person.
1: Hey, I was busy today. I, you know, Richard Scarry Uh, could write a book about us. I like Richard Scarry. Yeah, man. I wonder what he's up to these days.
0: Uh, just a follow up from last week's discussion on headphones, headphone follow up. Um, I talked last week about my Eddie Modic H F five. I do believe is what they are. Mm -hmm. Um, they broke today. (laughs) That sucks. Which, uh, You know isn't that bad because they actually broke last year and i wrote eddie modek and said hey what are you gonna you know can you help me out can i send these in and they basically said well uh yeah you have a two-year warranty on them send them in and we'll fix it huh and i did and they sent me back like a brand new pair like in a plastic bag as opposed to in blister pack but essentially same thing sure um which was very nice of them and i give them big kudos for actually being a big support people nice um but I went today and I looked, and apparently I bought them in April of uh, 2009. Wah, wah. So they are past the date. Now, here's the thing mm. to repair them, the, there's a, a flat fee for each different kind of headphone they make. Uh-huh. Now, these headphones are normally like 160 bucks or something. Sure. Uh, the flat fee out of warranty repair is $85. Mm. However, Amazon sells brand new ones for $95. there you go so but here's here's the here's the big thing yeah these lasted me two years but i had to replace them once in the middle there Uh uh-huh before i got these originally i had a better pair of edemotics they make like one super high-end one called the er4 Mm -hmm. um which i lost again at Imogen heaps birthday party brr Mm. i i know it was somebody on her staff They're listening to my headphones right now. Anyway, the point is I had those for like two or three years and they were great and they never broke. So they have a new version of the ER four called the PT or something like that, uh, uh, which are like a buck 89 on Amazon. So I'm considering just sort of going whole hog and getting even the better pair. Yeah. As it were like investing in the pair that hopefully will last longer.
1: I've had similar, uh, experiences man uh, like you know as I've mentioned before I've uh, I've been a Shure uh, customer for a really long time now five or six years and I've always opted for the higher end one you know the higher end headphone the first time around I think I just went with the the highest end single driver models and then when those I think I lost those um, they fell out of my pocket I remember like like at a movie theater or something like that or something happened and it, and it was I was too far away you know, I was yeah. like already on the train in the subway, you know, before I realized it. And there's nothing I could do to go back and find it. Sure. Um, and then when it came down to, you know, to replace them, then I was like, you know what? I really like these. I'm going to go for the, the two driver model. And I spent a little bit more and um, I've had good experience with their, with their warranty service as Well, they've done the same sort of thing where it's like, okay, well you have two years and send it in and we'll see what we can do. And yeah. each time they send back um, a brand new set. Um, and, and then with, I told you what this last time around, they upgraded you, they did because they, I guess they've, they they've been really, you know, hustling on this, on this, uh, product line and they, they, they discontinued the one I had it and it was still within the two year period. You know, it's not like I yeah. had an old, particularly old model, but, uh, but I got this really great new one. And what's really kind of nice is that I think the, the, I've, I've had to send stuff in now twice, you know, over five years, one, one with one set and one with the other set, um, the, f- the, si- both times I want to say the problem was related to the cable, like the connector, you know, yeah. not yep. the actual dr- drivers themselves. Like, like I was just getting static, like the, you know, the cable wears, that sure. cause, you know, you wind it up and you stick it in your yeah. pocket or whatever. And what I'm really kind of psyched about with these new, these newest ones that I have, the 425s, is that they have, um, removable, uh, like the, the drivers, the actual headphones are removable from the cable. Yep. So I would imagine that even if they do eventually fall out of warranty and I do have to, you know, pay to replace them, getting the new cables only costs, you know, like what, 50 bucks at the most, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. The, these, the high-end edemotics also are a removable driver from the cable. And it's it's funny because you could actually, they had like two different models or three different models of, of the high-end ones. And they're all very, very similar. It's like you could actually convert one into the other by swapping the cable and swapping, you know, some resistor somewhere or whatever it is. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, so I'm thinking of just diving in and getting the better ones. And it's funny because there's a guy named I think his actual name is Steve Gutenberg, huh? Who writes uh, an audiophile column for CNET now, but he's like sort of an old school audiophile kind of guy uh-huh. who's written for everything for 20 years. Uh-huh. And uh, his go to headphones forever have been the ER4s, which are the ones that I lost. Um, And though I had the ER4Ss, which are actually, they're flatter, but they're harder to drive, so you generally don't want to use them with a phone or a, or a iPod, that kind of thing. They're designed for like plugging into a headphone amp. They worked sure. fine plugging into the, uh, into a phone, but just not as good. Uh-huh. Um, the portable version where these, uh, ER four Ps or whatever. Anyway, so he got a hand, a hold of the new one, the PTs and compared them to the old S's. And he says that, you know, that, that they've actually improved a little bit. So, they might even be better than the other ones that I had. So wow. uh, apparently the, the super high-end ones come with like a measurement graph of how closely matched the drivers are in both ears. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. And and that to be this, they have to be within a half a DB across the entire spectrum. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. They're Nancy. like, these are like super, you know, dorky ones. So yeah. they're usually like 300 bucks. So a buck 89, it's kind of like, you know, might want to just jump in. Yeah. So anyway, just anyway. a little a little follow up on the headphone talk. Nice. It is quite annoying though when you got your headphones and all of a sudden one of them cuts out for some reason. Like you yeah. put them in and you twist the thing wrong and it's like it goes in and out and you're like, "Wait, is that is something dirty or did it break?"
1: Yeah, like where's the short? There's got a yeah, short. Yeah. Cuz you can, you
0: can play with it and then it cuts back in but then you move your head and it cuts back out and it's like yeah and then oh. you have to find
1: a place like to keep the cable so that the pressure yeah. isn't you know yeah it is like just so it's twisted
0: right. just right yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh
1: man that, that was me for like three or four weeks before this last time around and it just got so bad i just i i, I had, to, had to do something about it
0: yeah so i don't know uh so what's on the agenda today you got an agenda
1: no nothing serious i was thinking we could base. there's a handful of little things we could talk about we haven't talked about uh it's a miscellaneous episode. Miscellaneous, yeah, a little grab bag. Is it the is it the
0: attic? Cleaning out the attic. Attic,
1: uh, I guess so. How about potpourri for four <laughs> hundred? Potpourri. Yeah.
0: All right. So what do you got? Uh, well,
1: I've been meaning to. I, I wrote a a little blog post a couple weeks ago, days ago, recently <laughs> uh, about um, another hand cart, hand truck. You um, love those hand carts. I know. I know. I'm a I'm a freak with the trucks, with the hand trucks. Um yeah, I guess a couple of months ago I wrote a pretty big um thing about, you know, m- the various hand trucks that I've uh had experience with and how I like them and what I use them for. And I had just at that point purchased this, you know, this silver you know, it looked basically like the the same kind of hand truck that the that you'd see like with uh, those Xerox technicians pushing around with all their tools on it. Those right. are so the, the it folds
0: it folds down like metal bars fold down from the vertical thing to fold yeah. to the ground. It, exactly the the, the handles. Does it, uh, do, it, no, do they come with their bungee cords or do they, are those? Yeah, extra?
1: they they come with those. Yeah. Okay. The, the, so the desi- there's a classic design which is basically it's all chrome. It's um I guess it's, it's I don't know if it's steel but it's it's it doesn't feel terribly. Thick, so I mean it's light, light in weight, and Chromaly. then chromoly. Not, no, chromoly is actually pretty strong. Um, but it's more of a just a sort of a thin chrome piping, and the um the handles actually tell us, you know, telescope or re- you know, recede into into the base. So it's like a three section antenna, if you will. You know, so like when you you know you squeeze a little release bar um uh, near the near the top of the handle, and then you can pull the the whole thing out. You know, all three segments out, and then they lock in place problem with that. Oh, and the, you know, and then the, then the, the little metal, you know, platform folds down and then on these nicer higher end models, they actually have this little kickstand sort of helper little, you know, a, a smaller pair of wheels that, uh, you know, that when you lean the thing back, you can kind of, it has a little support so that you can actually push it around at that 45 degree angle. Um, And it's sort of self-standing and freestanding. So it's really nice um, if you do find yourself...
0: Wait, now who makes these
1: things? Lots of different people make them. Uh, The one I purchased was uh, from a company called Norman. It was the Norman Clipper. Uh, I want to say it was like the 780 or something. Um, We can... I can link yeah. to the uh, to the to the thing I
0: wrote on. Internet but are most here. of these fairly similar? You say?
1: Yeah, the basic design is very similar. Um, you go to uh, any you know photo photo store, you know, go on, hunting online for for folding hand carts, and the ones that have higher capacities, anything over two hundred and fifty pounds, have a tendency to have this you know this design. Uh, and I, I I've seen it a bunch of times. Two hundred
0: fifty pounds is a lot. That means you could roll me around on it.
1: Uh, yeah, I suppose if we chopped you into smaller pieces or put you into equipment cases, that would work.
0: I think I had a dream about that the other day. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, you did that one photo of of Conrad in the suitcase. That was kind of fun.
0: I did, but she was, you know, she had her pillow, so she was okay. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Uh, to my dismay,
1: that new cart that I'd purchased um, suffered from the same uh, problem that you know, I'd, I'd seen time and time again uh, with that design, and that is when you do put a bunch of heavy crap on this cart and you lean it over, um, the, the the handles, because they're not terribly rigid, they bend. And then it kind of has like this weird sort of a sway or flex to it, uh, not in a good way, you know, and, yeah. and, and then it gets to the point where it gets so bent that you can't even... Fully retract the handle properly. Like I, they, I can only get two out of the three segments to like to, the two
0: handles as you're pulling start to kind of yaw left and right. Like the whole thing no, kind of
1: no, no. It's more forward and backward. Oh, so okay. it's more so it's like imagine you know you have the hand truck sitting upright right with the platform flat on the yeah. ground and then your stuff is piled up and then you bungee it to the the handle yeah. right and then you knock down the little wheels and then you tip the thing back you know 45 degrees so now it's sort of self standing and then that pressure from the stuff weighing down on the handle bends the thing towards the ground you know arcs arcs you know downwards and then when you know you do that enough times with enough heavy stuff and now the the stupid handle doesn't doesn't go up and down all the way and you're 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 feels like you're compromising the you know the overall structural integrity of the thing and it doesn't so is
0: there a company that makes one that's stronger well there
1: are lots of higher end ones that are much more expensive and really heavy and um the two that uh i had to I, I, I was going to, you know, I decided it was time to upgrade because well, the, the the big thing again, just to sort of reiterate why this is, you know, as big of a deal for me as it is, is because I, I have a, a pretty reasonable amount of, of walking to do with the cart. Um, my older carts, the the ones that are lighter in weight and, you know, don't have the higher capacity weren't as big of a deal because my commute to the train or to, you know, to the car or whatever wasn't more than a block or two. You know, it was, you know, I was maybe pushing it, you know, and holding it out, holding it up for, you know, five or 10 minutes. But these days, since I've moved to this, this, you know, new apartment, um, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because I am actually really well situated, uh, between many different train lines, you know, four or five of them, but they're all about equidistant away, you know, at the same distance from my apartment. And that's, that's more of like a 10 to 15 minute walk, Sure. Uh, especially if I want to go to the handicapped Uh, you know, elevator specific entrances. So it's like, even though this one, this one stop is a little closer to me. If I want to take the elevator, I got to go a little further out of my way. Do they give you crap if you take one of those on an escalator? I've never gotten an ounce of crap from that. No. And honestly, escalators are not the best. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll take an escalator. Uh, over the stairs any day, but if yeah. there's an elevator, I will push the. You know, I will go all the way to the end of the platform just to take the elevator, just because it's 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 easier. I've seen you do it. Yeah, it's safer. Um. So so yeah. So since I am pushing it, you know, for I am having to hold up that weight for that much longer. Uh, having the cart self, you know, self standing is uh, is is a higher priority for me. So, um, this is obviously not a, not a, a new issue. There's, there's people who have been in my position for many, many years now, and there are lots of cool choices out there. Uh, and there's a company act- actually there out there called, um, rock and roller, I think. Okay. Uh, and they kind of cater to musicians, uh, and they make this pretty standard design cart where it, it, it uh, it, it's primary function is as what I would call like, um, like a flatbed cart where, you know, it has, you know, it, it it basically has four wheels on the ground and, you know, a long wheelbase, you know, so, so it's designed to be pushed like, you know, four, four wheels on the ground at all time. And, you know, there's a flat completely, you know, horizontal
0: harder to use in the city when there's people on this, on the street and stuff.
1: Yeah, it doesn't, it's nowhere near as maneuverable or, um, manageable as a, as a, as a more of a traditional hand truck, which, you know, is traditionally on two wheels that can be stood upright, you know, in a sort of a stack fashion. So like, if you are going into an elevator or, you know, into a smaller space, having this giant, you know, flatbed with a huge footprint like that is nowhere near as, as, uh, as nimble or manageable than, than, you know, a hand truck that you can at least, you know, temporarily tip forward and its footprint is only as big as the, uh, you know, the the little plate. So that's where those leaning hand trucks those you know those helper wheels come in really handy so that you know you can use the helper wheels for for the bulk of your of your uh of your pushing around uh and then when the time comes you can flip them out of the way and then either you know get in an elevator or on on some designs they actually double as stair guides so that you can actually you know guide your cart up and down some stairs yeah Yeah, which is nice so um a while ago i i uh Discovered, I, I can't remember. It was probably on some music blog that I read. Um, they announced this new company called groove gear, G R U V G E A R. And they had this pretty cool um, cart design, which targeted my, what, what, you know, what turned out to be my number one issue, which was that handle bending thing. They, their, their design um, is similar to the rock and roller design in that um, it has just two segments and it uses a hinge Instead of, uh, you know, a telescoping retracting design. Um, and their hinge design is really, really clever because it uses, it's all, it's all like hard, hard, you know, steel, steel molded parts with like notches and grooves in it. So like, there's no way that it's going to, it's going to slip or bend. I mean, it's, you can wiggle it a little bit. It's not like, you know, lock tight, but it's totally tight enough to that, to the, to the point where you're not, you know, you're not worried about it. And, um. And I just, I've just totally fallen in love with this darn thing, man. Um, it's a combination of of the way that the uh, that, that the that the the uh, the thing folds together. It's not the most compact. It's in fact, it's it's the biggest hand truck I've ever owned physically. It, you know, even when it's in its most compact folded up state, it's still a lot bigger. But it's got really big wheels. Um, and and as you probably know, the bigger the wheels, the easier it is to push. And you know handle things like cracks in the sidewalk or, you know, like uh, hoses or cables that you might encounter, you know, walking around. Um, And the way that they designed the helper wheels, they actually put them really, really far back. So it actually is almost like a little flatbed truck, but it's got a really small footprint. And and the the way the design, the the way that the, the wheels sort of deploy and, you know, retract it's really quick and you don't need to like, you don't need, you can even do it with one hand. I mean, you know, it's not like you need to un- unscrew something and then adjust something else and then lock it and this and that. It's basically just a little one handle pull, like a, a spring loaded pull handle. You pull it, to, you know, pulling the pin out of the, out of the hole, and then you slide the, the support arm out of the way. And then it uses a little Velcro kind of like a cable wrap, uh, just, just, just to keep it in place, you know, when it's, when it's not in use. You love your, um,
0: you love your hand trucks.
1: I do, man. This is such a great fucking product. Um, and I wrote up, you know, a pretty detailed account of basically what I just told you, right, uh, on my blog. And I just wanted to make make uh make it known that if you're in the market for a kick-ass hand truck, this is definitely one to consider. We,
0: we can put the link in the show notes.
1: Yes, we can.
0: Hey, you know, uh, Heather and I watched uh, Source Code the other day. mm Hmm. We got around to watching it. Jake now, Gyllenhaal. Yeah. So, well, I guess we should put up a little spoiler alert in case we talk about stuff. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler uh, alert. Yeah. So, for those who haven't seen this movie, it wasn't bad. No. I thought it was fun. Rotten Tomatoes, though, gives it almost a 90%. Really? Yeah. Oh. I wonder why. Which I was a little surprised at. Huh. It was good, but it, it wasn't, wasn't that, that good. good. No, it wasn't that good. I kind of saw most of it coming. You know? I guess, Yeah.
1: Well, after. after the middle part after, you know, right. Yeah.
0: But you know, what's interesting is that any, any time that there's any sort of time travel stuff, there's always that twist at the end. Like this didn't happen because it happened. You know, that whole thing. Right. Which is uh, inevitably satisfying. Yeah. you find that like, there's something about it that's just like, Oh, that, yeah, that makes me feel that weird feeling that you get when you talk about time travel that happened, but didn't happen because it happened. (laughs) And it's so satisfying for some reason. I hear that. I can relate not a bad movie no gr- like the it. girl is very pretty in that i don't remember the the, the brown haired girl across the, yeah. yeah i don't remember her name across the hall as it were across the hall anyway we were talking yeah. about it the other day so i thought i'd throw that in there right on uh speaking of movies mm. uh, i recently transferred a bunch of home movies oh yeah you're talking about that super eight to video okay um apparently you can obviously pay to have this done sure i don't really want to spend the money plus figuring it out is kind of half the fun sure so i put out an apb on twitter and a friend of mine eleanor uh-huh. uh said yeah i've got a super eight sitting here next to my desk at my place in williamsburg so we went over there i went over there with the stuff the super and- projector right she had a projector, right gotcha. Now I had four rolls of super eight, and then I've got like eight or ten rolls of regular eight millimeter, which apparently is two different things. yeah, I think you're right, which makes it a giant pain in the rump, sure, because uh, now I've got to find an eight millimeter projector, which are a lot more rare than the Super eight, huh but uh got the super eight, and we we she showed me how to thread it, and it's funny, I'm pretty good you know with with mechanical devices and stuff sure. This thing was so awkward to use that, like, it amazes me that your average Joe was using this back in the day. You know what I mean? Like, this is. Yeah, man. Remember reel-to-reel tape? Yeah. It was in no way idiot-proof, this thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. is the Um, clinical opposite of idiot-proof.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, So, anyway, I just, it's just, it was just crazy. So, we went over there. I threaded it in. She turns it on to, like, forward plus lamp, and the (laughs) lamp doesn't light. Wah, wah. Right. So I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I came all the way over here and we can't, you know. It's so just a like regular a, little light bulb, though. Yeah. Well, it's it's like these weird little halogen things. Yeah. So she said, all right, I think I have another bulb. So she goes, pulls out another bulb. We crack the thing open. It's a little like a, a, a pin kind of thing that holds the lamp in place. Pull it out, pop it out, a little ceramic uh, uh, outlet, you know, that the, the thing goes in. Sure. And uh, one of those like kind of two pin Ikea kind of. Yeah. Sure. Okay. One One of those, so I stick the new one in, we close it all up, hit go, nothing, and I'm like, oh, i can't believe we're just beat by this thing, right so mm-hmm. uh I said, "You know what, let me give me your laptop for a second. Let me look it up. So I look up this particular model and I find a blog post or a, a forum post about some guy asking, and the lamp wasn't working. Some guy answers and says, "Yeah, i worked on these for years. the uh lamp uh what's it called the uh the sockets go and you know sometimes they get gummed up by a lot of uh uh what's corrosion or whatever corrosion yeah yeah so he says get some contact cleaner blah blah blah. she said i said do you have any contact cleaner she's like no i said give me an emery board okay and i emery boarded the contacts on the light bulb huh a little bit put it in turned it on it worked huh which i felt like macgyver you know, nice, bravo! it's, it's always fun when you get something like that working, like really true mechanical device, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, projected them against a piece of paper, a couple feet away, pulled out my 5d Mark two mm-hmm. pointed at the thing, got everything set up, hit record, hit play and, uh, recorded these three things. So about 12 minutes of footage. And uh, actually, Claude was around, so he came over and cut it down. We cut it down to, like, 10 minutes because there's, like, a couple minutes of, like, too dark to, to use. Sure. Uh, and color correction, a little bit of this and that. But, uh, you know, it's amazing. As somebody said on one of the posts I put it up on, they said, you know, everyone right now is going to ask what, uh, what final cut filter this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Which, which just makes me crack up a little bit. So yeah. the, uh, it's good stuff. That's it fun. was so these these were there's there's video in there of me as a newborn sitting in a chair on a table with like my mother in the foreground like and them playing like touching my cheeks and stuff Aww. and me yawning how cute it's very, it's very cute mm-hmm. uh, and then there's what's really weird is that there's like a 15 second maybe 10 second chunk of my father fiddling with a camera uh-huh and according to Heather I move just like that when I'm fiddling with a camera. which is funny because, I mean, my father, you know, had a camera. Obviously, I wrote about it the other day, but my father was not, like, had the camera in his hands all the time. So it's not like I learned from watching him touch the camera. Some of that stuff
1: is just inherently, you know... Yeah, it's like um, in your DNA or something. It is. I've I've gotten similar things from my mother. Both my mother and my sister have said that there are certain things that I both... Like, I get certain expressions on my face, uh, and I have certain like tones of voice or or you know delivery so to speak you know ways ways of yeah. of saying things that are like identical as my dad. Yeah. Um which you know which is I mean I'm not going to refute that. I mean it makes makes sense to me. I mean we it's have pretty neat stuff though. Yeah, we have the same uh it's a lot of the same parts.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh so so I did those that that was fun. I recorded them 1080p but I just put them up 720p up on Vimeo and I'll put a show note link if anybody wants to just see what they look like. Yeah. Uh and uh, so I've got these other eight millimeters I got to do. And I've also got a handful of video cassettes, VHS that I've got to transfer, uh, into the computer. And what's funny about it is that I have the box. That's like the Claude gave me one of these little pinnacle boxes, you know, oh, yeah, so yeah. you do s Fire v-
1: wired to video or, RCA yeah, exactly. And stuff. Right. Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so he's actually got, he had two of them. So he brought both of them over figuring, you know, one will work and one won't or whatever. Um, but the hard time I'm having is finding somebody with a VCR. Yeah, that is a a dying, uh, dying yeah. breed. And so this just brings us into a little discussion about old formats. What, what, what do you do? When do you bring them forward? Do you bother bringing them forward? My my uncle sent me an email after seeing the uh, Super Eight footage because there's a big chunk in there of him and his son playing bocce like when his son was like one year old like throwing bocce balls around in the in you know Uh and he's just he said to me he's just like i thought that film was lost like i thought it was gone huh you know because we found it in a drawer at my mother's house and she moved out last friday sure so this was like a whole new thing you know yeah um and so you know you think these things this thing this stuff probably hadn't been watched in 30 years yeah so so you you want to be able to keep this stuff around super eight i think might be around longer than vhs might be you know <laughs> um i don't know about that well yeah but think about it super eight if i had to i could scan every frame that's true vhs if i don't have a vcr
1: that's true the, the technology
0: know? yeah the whole it's what's interesting is it's is much that- more basic super eight and the and the and the, the like yeah. film footage
1: well, it's 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 the truest form of analog. I mean, it's a it's a chemical analog. You know, yeah. it's it's, it's just picture after there's, picture after picture. There's literally, no electricity required to uh, to yeah. to do that. Whereas, it's just the, a
0: big strip of little tiny slides.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking of that. You know, film scanning is actually the better way to do it because then that way you can control the playback, right? You know, on a computer, yeah, better than of you, can, you know, from right. a projector. Because even even a projector is probably going to have a little bit of shift. You know, oh, in the sure. motor.
0: Yeah. But, and um, uh, That's, you know, that's an inter- another interesting thing. I think the Super 8 is 18 FPS. Oh, yeah? Where I had my camera set, I think, 24. Hmm. So there is a little bit of, like, mismatch. Yeah. But yeah, not but... enough for, I mean, you know what? Look, it's a Super 8 video of, you know, I don't care that much. Right. But it's, it's. I mean, there's all that kind of stuff. Uh, the other a few weeks ago, you and I were on Skype or something, and I had pulled out uh, my zip. I have a USB zip drive. <laughs> right. right? A uh, hundred meg zip drive, and it and worked. I ha- yeah, it absolutely worked, and and I plugged into the Mac, and it mounted. Hmm. And I uh, well, because it's U- it's probably just a USB mass storage device. You know, it doesn't show oh, yeah. anything special. Apple has
1: has a pretty good track record of supporting yeah. the older legacy
0: formats. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know I'm sure this is probably a pretty generic thing. So I put in a few discs, and I actually ripped what was on them off onto my hard drive. Nice just as like little disc images. And I actually did the same. Nope. And that same day, actually I pulled out a bunch of old CD Rs that I had burned like 10 years ago Mm -hmm. of old client stuff or old, you know, pictures or whatever the heck it was. Sure. And pulled all that onto my drives that automatically get backed up too. Yeah. And I think this might be a little heads up for those of you who have a lot of this stuff around, that stuff doesn't last forever. No, you know? the, the whole hundred year.
1: Like I remember back when CDs first came out, Kodak had these special gold CD-ROM, cd yep. you know, CDRs yep. that were like three times as expensive and guaranteed to last a hundred years or whatever. And I can remember, you know, <laughs> two ten, not even ten. Like you were lucky to get that last longer than ten years. I mean, uh, yeah, th- that stuff does not last forever, unfortunately. I think it's because the stuff it it, it it's ink and it's technically sensitive to light. Yeah, uh, and, and temperature, too. So I think if it, if it's too hot, if it gets too hot or if there's a, a too great uh, a change, you know, from too cold to too hot or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, it can actually uh, affect the yeah, pigment that, or whatever the hell the stuff is that's in there.
0: There were those green ones and then there were the gold ones. Like, they, they, had, different, they had slightly different chemicals inside of them. So some of them it's are true. more archival than others. But, yeah. you know, if you guys have this stuff sitting around, I mean, now you have these... Everyone has these like multi terabyte hard drives. Yeah. Take those ten or twenty CDs. They're only six hundred megs a piece. Yeah. Well, the, the problem is just the time, man. Because those those the read writes
1: on those things are so darn slow. Yeah. Um, but so, you know,
0: stick it in and do a disk image. You know, yeah. Well, just,
1: that's if you're if you can. Now, I don't yeah. know if you've noticed this. I I don't know if this is as big of an errors. issue as it was um, for Windows, but it wasn't uncommon on Macintoshes um, as they aged for older discs to not necessarily read properly in newer drives. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, And then, and then this is even a bigger problem with, uh, with actually writing. Like, I think it's still a problem to this day. Like I, I can guarantee you if we go to Best Buy or, or, or R or whatever and, and pick out. One of every kind of DVD writ- writable media, you know, be it the 4.6 or the, the 8.2, you know, sure. what all this, you know, the plus R, the minus R, all that other yep, crap. Yep, yep. I guarantee you that that some of them will just flat out not work in one computer. Like I have two machines here, right? So, like, let's say I have my, my MacBook Pro and my Mac Pro. Yeah. I can't guarantee you that I'm not gonna get hundred percent on either machine have, with, have with all the names. Have
0: you had that problem any time recently? I mean I remember that being a thing. In fact when yeah. when I used to do a lot of audio stuff and I was up um I used to be real into mastering mm-hmm. and uh I was up at Bob Ludwig's place in Portland, Maine. Master Disc? Uh no. Well he has gateway mastering up there, which is his own place. But he used to be a master disc in the eighties. Uh-huh. Um so he's, you know, he's I mean and he's got systems up there that are you know, this is as top of the line as you get. Yeah. Super high end. But I remember back then, this was 10 years ago, 12, 15 years ago, uh, you used to burn the masters at one X because burning them at two X, you know, right. It's like there was, there was all of this weird mumbo jumbo, like, uh, uh, fantasy stuff going on. Like, I don't know that actually the bits were on there any better doing it at one X versus two X, you know, well,
1: I remember getting a similar vibe of, uh, off of pro tools. Like when I first started using pro tools years and years ago, I understood. It's like when you wanted to do a bounce and you had like, you know, your, your 16 tracks, you know, with your DSP farm card and, you know, and you have yeah. your, your, whatever the reverb, I can't remember what the hell it was called ultraverb or whatever. Yep. Um, and you, and you wanted to bounce your stuff down. You know, you basically just hit go and then it played you the song in real time yep. and you waited it out. And that was one of the things I remember really getting on my nerves, you know, and when when I eventually made, uh, I moved to digital performer and that was like one of the first things that jumped right out. I'm like, wow, this is so cool. It's smart enough to it can to render do faster than real yeah. time. Yeah. amazing you know yeah. and now yeah. some some applications still have to do you know the, the argue, i think the argument from from pro tools standpoint was that they didn't want to take a chance on on any of the timing you know the delay or, or reverb timing um because my, of the,
0: no my guess is, is well that may be what they say but my guess is, is just that it was a few years old at that point and they hadn't rewritten the stuff to do it in anything faster than real time. I guess so. Um, maybe, yeah, Cause it's maybe. all just numbers, you know, yeah. which I mean, which kind of brings you down to it. I mean, if, if, if it's good enough to r- uh, put a program on a disc at 20 X and yeah. it'll work, then it would be the same for audio or anything else because it, it bits are bits, you know? You'd, yeah. You'd think, um, anyway, just, it's an interesting thing. Getting stuff off of all these old formats. I mean, I want to just put these VHS tapes. It's like 4th of July from 1981, you know, (sighs) that my father had one of like these first, you know, black and white cameras hooked up to a VCR that had a big battery that somebody else had to have over their shoulder. You know, like it was that kind of thing. I remember. Um so, you know, I want to put these things in some sort of more uh, official capacity, but I got to find myself a VCR. I may have to end up buying one on Amazon or something for oh, 20 no. bucks.
1: So, we must own so know. I, I know at least my mom has a VCR. Yeah, right, but it right,
0: might now. not be, you know, going all the way up to the upper West right side to get your mom's thing. I could spend 20 bucks and get it from Amazon, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's a good point. That is a good point. And this is this is the weird thing about all this stuff. But, you know, not many places even sell VCRs anymore. Well, nobody uses them anymore. Yeah, well, exactly. So anyway, so if you've got old formats and you've still got the way to play them, I would take an opportunity this weekend and rip them onto something a little more modern.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh definitely. It's, it's it's an interesting thing and kind of a scary one at the same time. I mean, I do all of my image work, uh I convert all my raw documents to DNG. Uh huh. Uh which is the, the Adobe Digital raw negative. format. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just because I figure, you know what? I bet you they're going to be able to open up DNG files a lot longer than they're going to be able to open up uh, digital Rebel RAW or, files, yeah, from CR2s, or NEFs or, yeah. or whatever else. Because there's yeah. different forms of CR2s. It's true. No, it's, so totally it's true. it's totally true. So it's 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 just it's just kind of crazy. So I always end up doing it. And plus, the other advantage is the DNGs uh, do compression on the data that comes in. So the DNG is actually smaller than the CR2 file was. So you save yourself like 20% of your space too. Totally. Uh, So anyway, that was that. I thought Mm -hmm. that was good stuff. Yeah. What else is on the list? Let's see
1: here. Um, We were going to talk about... um, uh, Oh, you know what? There's another piece of gear I wanted to talk about. More stuff from me. Okay, what do you got? Uh, I recently uh, picked up one of the Paul C. Buff vagabond mini lithium batteries hot yeah dude it is pretty awesome uh i actually just wrapped a shoot uh with it today just a minute ago like uh so it was, it was you know it's first official i mean i monkeyed around with it here at home you know for a little bit but it was you know up on a stand powering a uh a white lightning 1600 i think what are the purple one is um and it was awesome. I mean, we weren't cranking at full power or anything like that. I had, you know, that was the key, the main light. And then I had a couple of smaller uh, speed lights just doing little things here and there to help out. And it was just, it was keeping up. It was keep, it was kicking ass and it's, it weighs nothing. I mean, dude, it, you know, I could carry it in my three back and a pocket. half pounds. Yeah, dude. I could, I mean,
0: yeah, I feel like no. I
1: carry that much in my pockets just day to day.
0: Have you actually tried to figure out how many pops you get out of it?
1: Uh, I haven't, I haven't worn it all the way down. Is there, um, is there
0: a, a battery indicator?
1: Uh, there is, there's a three, you get three LEDs that tell okay. you if it's at 75%, um, 50% and 25%.
0: So after you were done with what you were doing, where was that at?
1: You know, it, it didn't budge. It was still at all three lights were on. So impressive. Yeah. Um, so thumbs up from that. And and I should also mention that a couple of the other, more, you know, reputable, big, bigger name photo bloggers like, uh, Zach Arias and David Hobby, um, have, uh, also given this little critter their praises. So, um, yeah, I can just add mine to the pile. It's, it's definitely worth checking out.
0: And, and you could use it for any lights. Cause it's just a regular, uh, looks like a regular three prong power.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's got two regular old IEC, you know, power ports on the back of it. So you can plug them right in. And I would
0: get one and use it with my alien bees, except like, I feel like I, I should use my pro photo if I've got it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but, but you know, you, you that only power one head. So it's you true. You need more than one light. Um, the yeah. other cool thing is it does have that nifty little stand clampy gizmo, so you can actually add it, you know, clip it to your your, sure. your stand so that to give it a little bit more ballast if you need to.
0: That is pretty cool. Um, uh, how much do these things cost? Like 250 two hundred fifty bucks.
1: Yeah, a little under three hundred bucks. Um, and then what's neat? What's neat is that the batteries are actually rechargeable and replaceable. They're modular, so in theory, you can actually have like you could have one a
0: couple two or three batteries if you want. Yeah, you get
1: multiple batteries for one unit. I mean, he's he's done a pretty good job of separating it out. Um, so that you can get just what you need. I'll tell
0: you, the buff stuff is pretty great.
1: Yeah. You know, he has a kind of like, you know, the best thing I'm going to call it, I would, I would liken policy buff stuff to American cars um, in that the graphic design and the overall user interface isn't necessarily as slick as, say, something from Japan or from, from Germany or, you know, Europe in general. But... You know, it does what it says it's going to do. It doesn't cost a lot of money and it's, you know, it's, it's good stuff. You know, it's good, solid stuff.
0: Those new Einstein ones are pretty hot looking. They look pretty slick, but yeah, not from bad. what I've
1: seen about the, again, you know, you look at the, the, the UI, you know, it, yeah. on the, on those things and it's like a little like, uh, yeah. you know, it's not, not quite as, yeah. as polished. I think as
0: if I, if I were going to do it, I'd probably go your route and get, a few old white lightnings.
1: Yeah, man, I've gotten so lucky, man. I, I, I tell you my, my primary you put kit, together, a nice little kit, my kits. I, I love my kit, man. I have two basic, I don't think we've ever talked about this or if we have, it's been a really long time. So we I'll did just,
0: light it. We did a lighting episode. I think, like, didn't we like, like Jesus feels like it was a really long time ago. So just, All just right. to
1: bring everyone up to speed real quick. I basically have two um, different categories of kits. I have uh, a speed light kit and then I have a mono mono light kit. Uh, so the speed lights are all, uh, I've, I've standardized on Nikon's old SB 80 DX model, which is the predecessor to the SB 800, which is the predecessor to the SB 900. It used to be Nikon's flagship flash, like, you know, in the late nineties. <laughs> um, and the reason why I chose that particular model is because it has two really important features. Uh, number one is it has a built in optical slave, uh, otherwise known as su4 mode um to nikon flash users so you can literally just hold down a couple buttons and then boom you you can you don't need you don't need an optical slave you you know as long as this thing sees another flash go off it will jump right on top of that as well uh and the other really cool thing is that it has really fine manual control uh it goes all the way down to 128th uh power and then that's adjustable all the way up to one to one uh in third of a stop increments um, and then the other really cool thing about it is that, at least for me, when I bought these over time, Cheap. they didn't cost more than, I think the most I ever paid for one was maybe 150 bucks, yep. which is ha- still half the price of an SB800. Now, the negative side, the downside... Um, is that uh, they do? They are not remote controllable, so I can't do the cool CLS stuff. I mean, if I need to make tweaks, I got to walk over the darn thing and push a button or two. Uh, the other key thing is that they also have uh, PC ports, so that I can plug a Pocket Wizard into it if I need to. It's really frustrating how Nikon cripples some of their lower end models that, without like, they, oh, they leave that crucial thing off. The
0: there. PC port isn't on any the, but the highest end Canon. That's so, so Flash. retarded. It's so retarded.
1: So anyway, that's, so I have a little, I have this really nice little, uh, one of those crumpler buckets. I think we've talked about those. Yep. It's just like a, like a camera bag insert. And that holds all four of my, my, uh, SP eighties, uh, a couple of clamps, uh, a couple of grids, some gels, you know, you know, all the basic stuff that, I, and you know, my pocket wizards. basically everything that I would need, uh, except for the, for the stands. And then generally speaking for those guys, I use the smaller, lighter weight five section, you know, Manfrotto. Um, light stands and then on the bigger side for bigger stuff, I, I lucked out and on Craigslist, I got a really tremendous deal on a, on a, a package kit of white lightning, um, lights ranging from the 800 to the 1600, uh, series. And, um, and you know, and I picked up a couple of nice cases for that. So, so that's also really nice and small and lightweight. And, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm loving it. It's it's really worked out really well for me. So between you know, for big stuff or or small stuff, I'm 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 generally covered.
0: Yeah, the uh, it's funny because like I did a shoot today of this woman, and uh, I brought the little thing that I normally do, which is my little fold up stand, the bracket, one speed light transmitter, and a 32 inch soft lighter, uh-huh. uh huh, and then like three primes, and uh, it's just amazing though, like how much you can do with very little gear if you're going for something simple you know you're not trying to do lots of rim lights and hair lights and whatever sure um you don't actually need that much gear anymore i mean you know just because you can crank it up to 800 or 1600 or 400 or you know of course um, it's just it's pretty cool technology is a handy handy thing totally uh Um. it's good stuff
1: so, yeah. Uh, so the- hey,
0: you know it's it's funny because uh, last week I took this picture of Heather with an Atari. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about the Atari last week? Um, I got sent an Atari twenty six hundred.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I I know you and I have spoken about it. I don't think we yeah. mentioned it on the podcast.
0: Uh, which is really funny because I don't have a TV to plug it into. Right. Um, but it, I think it would work. So anyway, we were just playing with it. And I said, let's do something with it. So. Heather, you know, put her hair up in pigtails, and and we threw down the uh, Atari in front of a chair. I did this wide angle thing, and I shot what for me is probably a more a less Bill Wadman kind of picture. In that, I used a ring light and like an overhead hair light kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with I have the uh, the Paul Buff Alien B's ring light that I don't use all that often, but I bought a few years ago just to play with some stuff. So you have and two ring lights. No, I just have the one. I thought you had the, the Profoto one, too. I do not have the Profoto one. Ah. Uh, I have the buff one, but the problem with it is that uh, even at its lowest power setting, yeah, at the hot. distances <laughs> that I want to do, it's still way too hot. It's like yeah. you got to stop down to F11 to <laughs> use the damn thing. Yeah. Like at its lowest power. I know. Um, so it was funny. We were shooting, and like, yeah, I think I was shooting at F11 at ISO 100. So it was kind of like, it's great. It's fine if, you know, you have other lights that can keep up with it. But if you are trying to build something up with some smaller lights or from further distance or whatever it is, like the ratios just get screwy. Um, I had the same problem. I have an old, old sun
1: pack ring light that my dad got when, old you know, when he was sh- shooting his like macro y- yeah for like coin collections and stamps and stuff yeah. and i tried using it on people every once in a while. it's 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 really old school in that it, it's it's designed to be screwed onto the front of a 52 millimeter filter you know lens yeah little thing <laughs> um so you know today's you know i think I, I, almost all my lenses are 72 millimeter uh in diameter so it w- don't, doesn't work on the larger longer nicer glass but i have a few smaller lenses that it would work on but man it is just too darn hot yeah. You know, I, even at its lowest power, it's like... It's just... It, it cooks everything.
0: Yeah. So it's just it's just frustrating. But it I mean, I guess was,
1: if you think about it for macro stuff, you're going to be shooting at like an F-16 or an F-15 anyway. You're F- going to be... Yeah, you're anyway, going to so want a
0: bright. You're gonna, uh, yeah, you're
1: going to want as all that detail.
0: For this picture, it was just funny because I ended up having... To, yeah, I toned it down and had the top one hot and, you know, did the best I could and it worked, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, I was like, whenever I use a ring light, I was like having the background far enough away or the... Or another light in the back, so you to don't get the start,
1: stupid halo effect. Yeah, or yeah. to
0: reduce the halo. It's just, it's just, it's so telling and so kind of ugly to me. I, I just, yeah, I do not like that look. Although at all. you know, it's funny. The other day too, I tried like a little Terry Richardson thing. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's funny to get the on-camera flash thing. I actually turned my flash upside down, uh-huh. so the flash part was as close to the lens as I could possibly get it. Well, that's how they do that, yeah, exactly. But it was just kind of like it's just it's funny how easy you know what he's doing is nothing, you know, and yet he builds an entire career on this thing. Well, the other thing of, you, of getting you, hot models to do terrible things to him while he takes pictures,
1: well, and he also has a pretty talented staff of retouchers
0: uh, yeah. finishing his work for him yeah. as well, yeah. So it's just it's like it's doubly annoying because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like you're not even doing anything, hey, um, man. You what are you going to do? You got to be
1: there. That's yeah. How it uh, what else is on the list? Uh, we were talking about, uh, speaking of your
0: blog, uh, your, <laughs> that little... <laughs> the AdWords thing. The AdWords thing. <laughs> okay. So if anybody hasn't read it, I wrote a post last week about making choices an artist. Uh, so the whole idea is that, you know, your point of being an artist is making choices. That's your whole job. Um, but it, a number of times in the essay, I said, shoot, taking pictures. Uh-huh. Uh, and I also mentioned that I saw this girl who had her camera on like rapid frame. And I said she was shooting machine gun style. <laughs> and I have a Google AdWords, like, uh, what do they call those? They call them a uh, AdSense, maybe. Yeah. 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 yeah but it, that's a skyscraper, I think, is what the ad size is over on the oh, right. I don't know. Uh, it's one of those narrow but tall ads over on the right. below the banner. Else. It is right. a banner ad, but it's a particular kind. It's called a skyscraper. Anyway. Gotcha. So. I have a skyscraper ad there that pulls from whatever words are in the thing because I use Google AdWords, and it decided to put up an ad for, <laughs> for uh, it was like a gun club or like <laughs> learning how to get your certification for carrying a concealed weapon or some kind of like ridiculous thing like that. That is awesome. And I just love the fact that it pulled out machine gun and shoot from my article about taking pictures and making choices as an artist. I think it's and brilliant. put this ad up on the side. Yeah, it was that- it was artistic. Genius, you know? Is it doing it every time? Do you know? No, no. Now it's, I don't know what it, in fact, the other day it was putting up, uh, it puts up different stuff. Uh, hmm. It's just, it just cracked me up for a while. Now it's putting up a Livestrong banner apparently. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I then, had a, va- yeah, what's that? No, what were you going to say? And uh, ads for software that teach you, like that take professional portraits for you. Oh, nice! Yeah, which they, cracks me up too. Yeah, well, you know, you can really need, you know, you could just let the computer Whatever. do all the work. If, if somebody's reading my blog and they really think that's going to help them, then you know, let them click. <laughs> totally, know? dude. Totally. Uh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Uh,
1: no, I was just going to say I, I've I've had a, a pretty fun um, history with with Google AdWords. I, I tend not to pay too close attention. Um, I guess uh, you know some people are more filtered, you know, than others. Like, I I can look at a web page. And and not see any of the ads, unless of course we're talking about these like totally obtrusive flash things that like take over the whole damn screen and, you know, get in your way and stuff. But, um, for the most part, I don't really pay much attention, but I can remember this one, this one time, um, I was using Gmail and, um, I started, I don't know why, why, why this worked this way, but I noticed the, so you know where? You, have you ever logged into the Gmail web interface? I'm sure you
0: have. I use the Gmail web interface as my main email. Oh wow,
1: look at you! So then you know exactly what I'm talking about. So when you're looking over at the,
0: on the right hand side, uh, no, it's actually on the top.
1: Um, okay. There's a little oh, that little strip. There's a little strip, like just above the buttons, and then that's where they put an ad. Um, I guess I, I guess in your inbox they put it on the actual in the you know on the top of the thing, but yeah. then if you click on something. You click on a message, the ad, there's an ad at the top of the bar. And then there's sometimes some, some stuff that gets put on the side. Sure. And, um, so I was sitting there looking at it and for whatever reason, my eye was drawn to the side and as opposed to the message. And then the ad, you know, proceeded to, it was an ad to, to, uh, I think it was to learn about how to protect yourself against, uh the nigerian um you know <laughs> email scams yeah, yeah. and I'm and, and, you know, like oh that's interesting and then I, and then my eyes moved to the body of the message and sure enough i'm looking at a nigerian email scam message. Oh, that's excellent
0: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's so excellent. really
1: funny that that like google is so good at it they yeah. actually detected that you know that it was a and it it, it didn't get caught by the spam filter yeah. either it yeah. was really funny so the AdSense was smart enough to detect that that you know my ad was, was Nigerian, um, even though the spam filter, But didn't. the spam filter wasn't, which yeah. is
0: funny because the Google <laughs> spam filter is pretty excellent. It's pretty overall. great. I, 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 I get, I get zero false positives and maybe one every couple of days oh, of something else. Yeah. And even, even so it's something kind of vague. Like yeah. it could be a real, real email. Totally. Um, you know, some people get upset about the privacy implications of Google AdWords, reading your email. You know, of course that's the whole reason they can give it to you for free is that they're doing all this data mining. Um, but I don't really care as long as they're not attaching it to me in any way. You know, if it's just a bunch of anonymous data that they're throwing into a bucket with a bunch of other anonymous data. Right. Uh, or, okay, they read this thing that says that I was talking about California and so it shows me a car ad on the right-hand side, you know, for rental car. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You know, uh, if, if that's if that's what I'd, I have to do to get free, good email everywhere in the world, I'm willing right. to make that, that jump. But it is funny. Google AdWords, man, it's just... It's it's funny how it picks stuff up like that.
1: I think it's awesome.
0: In fact, I bet you you know there's got to be a website somewhere that sort of does a, you know, best examples of adword mistakes.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, actually, I have a friend of mine. Um, has a a blog. I don't know if he how regularly he keeps it up. Um, but he, and and he's not the only one who does this. But uh, you know how a couple of years ago Google introduced that live the live search thing so it it you know as soon as you start typing yeah it starts you know assuming what you're going to guess and then every once in a while you'll start like how do i you know and then and then it comes up with all these like there's like you know yeah so he he does a a blog of that stuff i think his his his, we we don't lie to google i think is the name of his blog Uh, i'll look it up and and put it okay and some of them are some of them are pretty fun
0: oh yeah yeah it's uh it, it's what happens it's like um this weird propagation of information out of chaos you know it's like information comes out of this huge gigantic quasi billion terabyte database that that google has i remember reading one uh, one last thing i remember reading an article all about how google uses right off the shelf they don't use raid hard drives they just use your regular crappy consumer ones no well they have their own whole yeah. their own custom yeah. way of doing everything but they use so many hard drives that they put out a report on what drives were the most reliable because they use oh, based on, they, on their personal yeah because they just buy them sure. commodity whichever one's cheapest you know for what they need and uh, so they have like every brand every model and they actually did a rundown because they use so many drives that they are a sample unto themselves yeah you know which I thought was pretty great. Uh, I'll have to find that. We'll have to find that and put that in the show notes too because it was kind of interesting just that they use so many drives and they expect them to fail. Like well, they yeah. Just, you know, they, they, they're they almost just like, you know what, we're going to get 2% failure rate with RAID drives. We'll get 4% failure rate with regular drives. Screw it. We'll just have an extra 10% of drives to cover the difference, you know? Well, uh, and,
1: I mean, on the larger scale, man, I remember when I was into the IT thing um, and I started doing some... I, I got, you know... I got pulled into some sort of a large scale storage thing. And I wound up cl- going down the, the enterprise storage rabbit hole. And uh, there's a, there's a big company out there. I don't, I don't remember who, I think it got bought at this point, but there's a company called EMC. Sure. Um, and you know, five, 10 years ago, those guys were one of the biggest names. And they
0: still are. Or they're owned by some. Yeah.
1: They're, I think they're owned by a bigger company, but that was the company that you would call. Like if you need, you know, petabytes of data and like they had premier service where, you know, a dude would be, issued on site, like within an hour of a problem happening. If you, yeah. if you wanted to pay for it. Um, and a friend of mine was a consultant for the, you know, he, he's, he actually, you know, rec, you know, had a rep and worked with those dudes and, and knew about that stuff really intimately. And he was telling me how, um, when these guys design these, these, uh, these arrays, these giant, you know, rooms full of hard drives. Yeah. Um, wh- anytime the array gets restarted, like the, you know, the whole thing needs to be powered down and powered back up again. Yeah, there's a guarantee. There's like a I can't, he had a great name for it. I cannot remember what it was. Like some sort of a triage rate or something. You know, like a yeah. like a technical term where it's like we know that something like along with, like ten, you know, five to ten percent of these drives are not going to come back up when we when we turn them back off. You know, turn them yeah. off and back on again. Which I thought was you know amazing. I mean, it makes it makes tons of sense because sure. you know these things just are you know they're not that well
0: put. I, you know, it's funny. I've noticed though in the past few years that. The drives i'm using now and the drives i've been using for the past couple of years yeah i have less issues with them like the old drives they used to get louder as they got older and that kind of stuff
1: yeah they used to get dustier and yeah noisier. newer drives
0: with the fluid bearings ah. and the whole thing it's just they kind of it's just these drives i've had like no problem um, knock on wood but you know what i mean mm-hmm. like I've, I've had really good luck with modern drives somehow they feel like they're more stable yeah I don't know I, cooler i, I also m- been using the 5400 rpm drives because they're so the aerial density is so high right. that the access time is a little slower than the seventy two but they're still so fast on transfer rate that it doesn't matter yeah uh just as my storage for my photos uh um,
1: i yeah I guess i I've been using the seventy twos just because they're you know they're more they're just more readily readily available or whatever I yeah i I mean I just
0: been using these greens because I also they're so much quieter and cooler, yeah like yeah. I mean well, I can't even hear I have four of these things going right now, and I can't even hear them nice uh so anyway. Uh, is that about it?
1: I think so. What else do we have? Uh, yeah, that seems about it.
0: All right. Well, uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, uh, Twitter at Bill Wadman, at Dan Gottesman, and at Circconv. That's C- right. C I R C C O N V. That's Circutus Conversations shortened. Uh, we also have Circutus.tv, which Yay. is our new website. New. Yay. Yep. Dan's we very excited about it. it. Well, yeah. it, it's just been...
1: It's, it's been in good shape. We've needed it for a while, and yeah. now it's finally active.
0: So we will be um, posting new episodes and show notes on there going forward circuitus.tv. Uh Right. And uh, if anybody... That's also
1: where you should leave your feedback on uh, yes. any
0: ideas. And please, please, if there's anything else
1: that you guys uh, want us to talk about, We love to hear from you, suggestions. um, We like answering
0: questions. Yeah,
1: people like asking us questions, and we like answering them. Uh, And so that's a great place to do that. Just go to TV and just add a uh, comment to the latest episode, um, and we will happily address that. And then, again, uh, we thank you for your your positive reviews uh, and ratings on the iTunes Music Store. I, I noticed there's one or two more. Which is terrific, uh, and please keep up that uh, that stuff for us because we like it a lot.
0: Indeed, thank you. Uh, yeah. So, till next week, maybe we'll have a guest next week. Yeah, I know one or two people. Okay. Be I think I might be able to come up with one. Cool, excellent. So, till next week, we will see you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.